is Pull Request, live from the heart of Brooklyn. Pull Request is an hour-long podcast about everything in and relating to technology. With three techno experts, Eric Newman. Hi! Chris Grabowski. Alrighty then. And Tyler Dinner. Hey there. This week's episode, Not So Neutral. Hello, everybody. Welcome to yet another Polar Quest. My name is Eric Newman, and to the left of me is our usual setup. Back to normal, back to the swing of things, back to back the grind, to the, the wonderful Chris Grabowski piping up over there. Hi, how are you? I'm pretty jet-lagged, but other than that, pretty good. Jet-lagged. You went to Vegas there on Pacific side? Uh, they are one hour uh, ahead of Pacific. So mountain time. Yes. Gotcha. Do you get jet-lagged from two hours? It's just like sleeping in. Three hours. Well, if it's three hours, then it's Pacific time. Is it? Because Arizona's further... But whatever. Okay. If it's three hours behind New York, it's Pacific time. If it's it two was, hours behind New York, it's mountain time. It was three hours behind. Then uh, it's Pacific time. Okay. Don't ask me why Arizona has has different time zone, why Arizona doesn't celebrate daylight savings time, why they didn't recognize Martin Luther King Day until the NFL threatened to not play there. Well, all I know you is know. my brother lives there. <laughs> ah, where does he live in Arizona? Tucson. <laughs> Ah, and Tuscan. That's cool. And uh, sneezing to your left over there was Tyler Dinner. Hi, Tyler. Hey. Nice to hear you again. That was more of an attention grunt. More of an <laughs> attention grunt, of course. We can't ignore you. You're the heart of the show. You're like the drummer. Uh, duh. So how was your Thanksgiving? We took two weeks off. Oh, though- man. I forgot we had a Thanksgiving. That was great. Yeah. Did you guys... Uh, what did you guys do? I went to Baltimore. Complaints. I went to Long Island. You went to Long Island. Yeah. And uh, Tyler, what'd you do? Uh, I just did a small friend's Thanksgiving. It was really good. Oh, was it the same Friendsgiving where we uh, aired our our After Dark episode? Not quite. Ah, okay. So what did you have at your Friendsgiving? Other than Nothing friends. special. <laughs> do you have turkey? Oh, uh, yeah. Did you have turkey tacos since we're in uh, Bushwick? I wish. A turkey quesadilla? probably made that myself. Yeah, that's true. That's us um, too. Did you have any pie? Duh. What did what you have? What a wonderful day for pie. <laughs> it is a wonderful day for pie on Thanksgiving. What did you have? How many pies did you have first? <laughs> oh, um, I had, uh, there were four pies actually. Four pies. I only had two. One was, one involved Nutella and, and pumpkin, and then one was chocolate and pumpkin, and both were just the most incredible things I've wow. ever eaten. So. Tyler, I might have to stay up here next year for Thanksgiving and not go see my family because that sounds delicious. And my family were driving me crazy. So, <laughs> anyway, I you loved it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, I'm glad you had a good Friendsgiving with many pies. Uh, at my end, I made that fake pumpkin pie for, for our After Dark episode. Um, and that was like a cartoon prop. It was so gelatinous. It was non-dairy and it was, not, and it was uh, non-tasting and it was vegan. And uh, it was so gelatinous that it would actually shake perfectly back into place. <laughs> so you would move it, you would see the whole thing move, and then it would be like it wasn't ever touched. Just like in a cartoon. Or a jello mold, I guess. Anyway, cornstarch is not a substitute for dairy. Uh, just putting that, that out there. We did have, by the way, uh, a couple nights ago, we went to this vegan restaurant, um, Sacred Chow, again. And we had a pumpkin pie there that actually tasted like pumpkin pie. And I said, guys, I tried making this a few days ago. What happened? What did I do wrong? And they actually used tofu 
as the filling. I know it sounds gross, but believe me, it was objectively good. That I'm makes not a more vegan. sense than uh, cornstarch, though. It really does, because tofu has density. <laughs> well, that, soy, all that. Yeah, right. Uh, well, the other thing is, um, for Thanksgiving, I made my real pumpkin cheesecake with real dairy and real flour and real crust, and it was delicious. Um, and then we also had a blueberry pie and a candy bar pie, which I found out Ooh. is heavily processed. Oh, it's sure. literally just Hershey bars, must be Hershey bars, not chocolate chips, and Cool Whip Ooh. mixed together. You melt down the Hershey bars in the microwave, <laughs> you let the Cool Whip sit out for half an hour, you, melt it, you mix them together, you throw it in a pie crust, you let it refrigerate for overnight, and oh, you have yeah, a candy my bar attention. pie. Yeah. yeah, it was really, it was really good, uh, minus the the cancer growing in my prostate. Anyway, um, Pringles. Well, that's from the stress, not from the food. Oh, good. Pringles <laughs> debuted a new Thanksgiving Day flavor of Pringles. Is it sadness? It, it's a, it presented in a in a TV dinner like tray. Each of the eight flavors are stacked in piles of three. Flavors include, and these are all just Pringles chips, but they're served in a giant box so, uh, instead of a little tube. Flavors include turkey, mashed potatoes, stuffing, mac and cheese, creamed corn, green bean casserole, cranberry sauce, and pumpkin pie. Pringles even suggest so you mix bad. and match the flavors for a nice variety of Thanksgiving-themed meals. This is not an advertisement. So I'll be on Amazon ordering a lot of those. <laughs> well, but they all might get damaged in the shipping, Tyler. Well, I mean, that's... You're going to have a lot of crumbs. That sucks for your Christmas present, but whatever. <laughs> for Christmas, you're going to give... Your, for, for Christmas, you're going to give a Jew a bunch of uh, Pringles Thanksgiving dinner crumbs? <laughs> I mean, did you want me to come and order you Chinese food instead? <laughs> that was funny. Actually, that is a very Jewish tradition on, th- on, on, on Thanksgiving. On Christmas, the other Thanksgiving. And that sound you heard, of course, was our lovely studio audience. We've missed you wonderful people. Can you give us a round of applause? Yeah! Thanks, guys. Yeah, really we saw them uh, two weeks ago at our After Dark episode. And just to reverse tease that, why do we do it? I think we did it because it was our... Why did we do it? It was our first... Baptism? Communion? It was our first what? Communion? Something. Uh, huh? Bar Mitzvah? Oh, man. Did we get circumcised? No, it was, yeah, it was, it was our brisk. first That's what it was. It was our brisk. Yeah. Okay. It was our first anniversary. And we had to do something special for it. And uh, what I was... Tyler, I know we got into it. I gave a very grandiose discussion or, or primer to the After Dark episode then. And I did that because when we started at Radio Free Brooklyn, we could curse on every show, and we did. And it doesn't make this... And, and people definitely drank in the studios. It doesn't really make it any special. It doesn't make it special unless... You don't curse and you don't drink, and then you save it just for one night where you go crazy and belligerent, and then you actually produce 30 minutes of content. That being said, we need to do more After Dark episodes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I think we should do another one around Christmas time. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm not I'm traveling anyway. Next week or the week after. Yeah. Well, we can, we can talk about that off the air. How about this? A $76,000 Thanksgiving dinner in Manhattan. That's the last Thanksgiving news that I'm going to give you. Since <laughs> Uh, CNBC reports that that the old Homestead Steakhouse 
is offering a $76,000 Thanksgiving spread for 10 people, complete with $100 worth of imported oysters, Wagyu beef lollipops that cost $475 a pound, and sweet potatoes topped with $1,500 worth of caviar and gravy mixed with a $3,300 bottle of Peppy Van Winkle Peppy Van Winkle bourbon. Wait, this but is where I went for your birthday, was it? No. <laughs> no, we went to another steakhouse. But that's and then not the following all. The steakhouse meal, after that. The meal, the meal also comes with four tickets to the Broadway hit Hamilton, a $7,500 oh. shopping spree, and a two-night stay at the Madrid, uh, Mandarin Oriental Hotel, a $20,000 watch, and that all can be yours if the price is right. So it's a $50,000 dinner. No, it's watch. a $40,000 <laughs> dinner with $30,000 yeah. of extra stuff. That's a little, you know. That's stretching a little it. extra. Just a little extra. Just a little. Well, I mean, the thing is, is first, $76,000. Look, look, you can either, for $76,000, you can either pay off my student loans. That's exactly as much money as I owe. Or you can buy one Thanksgiving dinner for your rich family. Hmm. What do you think? Hmm. I'm leaning towards the dinner. <laughs> we are, too. And so is Congress as they passed that tax bill last night. And that's why... I don't know. That's why I have a lot of student debt. And we're not a political show. We're not going to talk about that. And we can't go to graduate school. <laughs> well, we can. We just have to be taxed for it. I, you know what, Tyler? I tried going to graduate school a few years ago. And I didn't find any degree programs worthwhile except for two. One of them was a Master's of Design from Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh, which I would then be an MD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, what happened was it sounded like a really interesting program until I talked to them. They said that it was thirty-three grand a semester. Oof. So it's basically a Thanksgiving dinner a year to attend <laughs> Carnegie Mellon for their three-year master's program. And I said, but guys, there's no bank in America that's going to loan me $133,000. What's going on? And they said, well, we didn't want to make this conversation about money. And I said, well, then let me go for free. I'll sweep the floors of your school if you let me in. And they said, no, you have to pay. So the other... That's, that's not too different from the reason I didn't go to graduate school. Which is why... Um, I was first in line for the assistantship program, which would have got me free tuition. At where? At uh, St. John's. I was going to do a um, graduate degree of international relations, which was my mm. undergrad. And I was ready to do, to do that. And then I just confirmed before I turned in my application. I said, can I, I can get outside tuition, right? And they said, no, you cannot have any outside tuition or otherwise it cancels the thing. Uh, you only get a... You mean six, income? Yeah. And they said, I can only have a $6,000 yearly stipend. That's... How do you even pay rent with six thousand dollars a year? <laughs> How do I live in New York City for six grand a year? Yeah, you'll be you'll be you'll be sleeping in Grand Central before long. Um, yeah. <laughs> let's see. Uh, hey, Christian. Yes. Uh, I got some news for you. Got a what for me? I got some. That's uh, funny. I got some news for you. We are seeing the next Star Wars for free. Woo! Brought to you by Akamai. That's right, the leading <laughs> content delivery network for your web services. Akamai is buying us tickets to see The Last Jedi. A kind of sort of competitor of mine. <laughs> well, whatever. They're not a competitor of mine. We're using them, and they gave us and they gave me two tickets. So, uh, they're giving us a presentation beforehand. I don't know about what. We probably aren't allowed to talk about what. But we get to see Star Wars free. Nice. And it'll be our third consecutive Star Wars that we've seen together. Isn't that sweet? Aww. Aww. <laughs> and you're taking Christian instead of your girlfriend. Well, the reason why... <laughs> we, the reason why is because it said it had a very long disclaimer and it said that it's only open to people in technology. 
It's not just a. It's not a. It's not just like a gala where they're showing Star Wars. It's showing some kind of technology that Akamai's working on, and so it, they're, they're, the presentation's meant for people in tech. And then they're gonna. And as a reward for listening to their boring presentation, you get to see Star Wars. Oh, I bet I know what this is. Then what do you think it is? If you uh, if you can figure it out before we uh, go there, it's not. Uh, it's still legal for us to talk about. It's still illegal. No, it's still legal because we haven't. Heard the stuff that they're telling us, so this might not be. I'm, I'm my, my assumption, because uh, so my company has something like this, uh, Cloudflare has something like this. A lot of the other guys who've been around longer are just starting to get something like this. And this is uh, latency measurement uh, analytics tools uh, that give you from the uh, consumer's device directly to your server latency measurements. So are they going to make us watch uh, Star Wars on our phones, and then they're going to measure the analytics from our watching the Star Wars? I really hope not. I really hope not. <laughs> well, it's a free ticket, no, but you have no, to no. watch the two-hour movie on your four-and-a-half-inch screen. Well, mine's actually a seven-and-a-half-inch, so I'm Whoa. okay, but that <laughs> sucks for you. Yeah. Um, one. Uh, let's see. One last thing on the top of the show before we get into uh, the cool conference that you went to is um, I saw these ads for this documentary. I can't believe it's a documentary called The Problem with Apu. Have you, you guys seen this? It no. has a yellow background. It's some Indian guy at the bottom half, and then it's up, up who upside down in the top half. A documentary half. about the character. It's a documentary about him being a racial stereotype, and now 30 years later, or 25 years oh, later. So you identify with 29, Sorry, 28 <laughs> years later, Simpsons started as a TV show on their own in 1989. Uh, someone's complaining about it. That's so ridiculous. I mean, I, you know, it's, I'm not going to get into the sexual abuse stuff that's been going on for decades before someone pipes up, but that's different. This is some guy was grew up watching the. He's like he's like our age. He grew up watching The Simpsons, and then now he needs a job, and he goes, "What can I do? I don't have any reasonable skills. Oh, I'm brown. No, <laughs> wow. that's uh, that's as racy as I'm going to get. But I just I have a. I, I mean, of course. Apu is a stereotype. I mean, what am I? I mean, I can make a cartoon called "The Problem with Jew" and talk about how Jews have been used as stereotypes and cartoon characters throughout the century. You've been Jewsed and adjused. What? <laughs> adjused. Adjused. Right. No, I'm serious. You know, I could like, like, yeah, you can watch uh, uh, the merchant, the, the the film version of Merchant of Venice and see what Shylock looks like, and you, you that's definitely pl- problematic. This st- flat character who runs the Quickie Mart in The Simpsons from 30 years ago, the first The Simpsons shouldn't be on the air anymore. That's... I think that I think that we should all just watch Blazing Saddles before it's illegal to do so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you download it well, too. Uh, I'm, so I'm just waiting until I can get offended uh, by TV for making fun of a straight white male. What? I'm waiting for when I can get offended by uh, TV. I think eventually it will happen. It no, all comes no, full you circle. can get offended by it, but no one's going to care because you're a straight white male. What? Yes. White male, and I'm a white male who has a disease that's making me whiter. I'm just Jewish, so I get one <laughs> privilege point. But because I have hair, I get that point deducted. So. Ah, anyway, you went to a conference last week, Christian. I did. What was it? AWS reInvent. Basically, it's been a whole year. I remember when you were talking about this last year. It's been a whole year. Oh, when they made like announcements or something? Something like that. We talked. We talked about it. Huh. Wow. Anyway, go on. So I was at the conference. Uh, a lot of big announcements. Uh, some uh, uh, really good, just in-depth talks, and just, like a lot of fun stuff. Networking. Uh, plenty of drinking, but. Uh, 
Uh, a lot of key takeaways. Like uh, one, Amazon is, uh, uh, announced some pretty big products. One of them being bare metal servers, which is huge for Amazon. Also, what do you mean by bare metal? As in, you can rec- now, like how you re- used to request a VM to run your software on, you can now just go ahead and uh, request a physical server that boots up wow. in almost the same amount of time, except those had to post. But I, I thought that the whole idea of virtualization was to get away from using actual servers for this kind of stuff. Yes, but every once in a while you have a workload that requires bare metal. Okay. And so Packet, it was a company doing this for a while, and now Amazon's just like, oh yeah, here, we can do it too. So now they've got that. They've got some new image processing software they announced that seems really cool. They've got some new uh, natural language processing software that seems really cool. Okay, also, now most importantly, what is the sh- what what swag did you get at the oh, conference? Let's see, uh, enough T-shirts to last me a month. Good. I got. Are uh, they all uh, different colors? Or are they just yeah. different logos? They're they're all totally different. Uh, nice. Yeah, T-shirts for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I got a, a new hoodie. I got a bunch of fidget spinners. Nice. I got uh, a bunch of st- uh, uh, stuffed animals, a bunch of like uh, desk uh, ornaments, all sorts of good stuff. But uh, definitely some really cool uh, talks as well. A lot of cool uh, networking things like uh, BBR is a really dope thing for uh, TCP congestion. It is a new algorithm for TCP congestion that is just way faster than anything else out there. BBR stands for... I know what BB-8 stands for. BBR is... BBR is... um, It's something really funny, actually. Uh, uh, What is it? Uh, Uh, It is... Um, I can have it to you uh, in a second. Budapest it is business re- region. No, um, the uh, Santa Barbara Airlines. Big no, bottleneck bandwidth and RTT. What? Bottleneck bandwidth and RTT. Ah, bottleneck yes. bandwidth and RTT. RTT is real time. Nope, round trip time. Round trip time. So it's an acronym that contains another acronym. Yep. <laughs> Acroceptionim. Yeah. And also, like, it seems like a lot of people are using this thing, uh, service called Kinesis on AWS, which is like Kafka, super popular. Uh, Netflix is doing a lot of really cool stuff. They uh, are building a lot of neat stuff. And I uh, got to see some of their talks. Uh, well, so they've got a bunch of their stuff in Amazon, but they got a bunch of stuff out of Amazon as well. But they just built a framework on top of Mesos to basically recreate AWS on their bare metal stuff. Gotcha. So that was cool. Hulu, Hulu is also pioneering uh, the frontier of the most frustrating UI I've ever seen. <laughs> well, that's because it's made by a conglomerate of gross companies, Tyler. That makes a lot of sense. Anyway, moving on, it's time for our New York Minute. Because we're running out of time, we're already running late for this episode. Let's pick up the pace a little bit. A diplomat plunges five stories to his death during a trust game exercise. Wait, <laughs> where was this? Was, wait, Tyler, you said you were going to get a degree in international relations, right? Yeah. Okay, well, this could be you in the future. An Australian I- diplomat died after he plummeted from a Manhattan building during a game of trust, police said. Julian Simpson, age 30, fell to his death from, near, from a seventh-floor terrace of a building near Clinton and East Houston Streets on the Lower East Side early Wednesday morning. Simpson and another of, uh, a number of other people were on the roof of the building to look at the Empire State Building, which was lit up in rainbow colors in recognition of a survey that found that most Australians support marriage equality. When Simpson swung a woman around, angering her husband, according to police, Simpson later offered to prove his trustworthiness to the man by playing a game of trust fall on an apartment terrace. 
He went to let he went to a ledge and leaned back, but as he grabbed for the man's hand, he slipped and fell to a second floor landing. Law enforcement sources told WNBC that Simpson and the and the others may have been drinking at the time of the accident. Oh, really? What gave that away? Simpson was an official with the Australia's Not UN the mission. Australia part. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. What else? The irony is just so thick. Why? Because he came from the land end. Oh, trust fall. Oh, I don't trust you. Fuck it, then. Something. Okay. Uh, we all heard, moving on, we all heard of the summer of hell. Here's the winter of hell. Coming to your Penn Station. Amtrak says the repairs in Penn Station will start back up again in January. Hopefully this means that you don't travel six miles an hour between Penn Station and Secaucus when you're heading points west. Oh, wait. Will this affect Long Island Railroad? Because I just realized Christmas is a thing. It says Penn Station, so I... Oh, my God. Christmas Oh, yeah, here we go. Tracks 15, 18, and 19 of the Long Island Railroad will be shut down for a total reconstruction. That work is expected to last until the end of May. The MTA has been under a state of emergency since the summer. Has that helped anything? No. Nope. Yep. Next. Okay. <laughs> don't don't leave the don't leave the city in, in winter. Uh, let's see. How much more time? Uh, let's see. A uh, man spreader punches woman in face when asked to move. This is a couple weeks old now, but that's basically I... what happened. I think there was more going on, going wrong with this day than just that. Well, no, I mean she was uh, apparently she did the right thing and she asked to, to for the guy to move to you know close his legs so she could sit down, and he just starts cursing at her, and yeah, then yeah. Uh, and then he punched her out. No, I know. I'm saying like I think he had a whole lot more going on. I th- oh, he, he had a lot more going on. his anger out of something else. Right, on that lady. Right, uh, and he was arrested. Uh. Let's see. Oh, here's Oh Hello in Reality. A woman, 100, fights eviction from rent-controlled New York apartment. <laughs> That's about it's it. It's time to say, screw off, New York. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Let's go to Philadelphia. For more than 50 years, Justa Lopez has welcomed family and friends into her small rent-controlled apartment on the Upper East Side. She's lived in the same apartment for 50 years and it's been rent-controlled? Holy crap! <laughs> Damn. The eviction threat stems from a fall that she took in her East 78th Street apartment last November when Christian pushed her down a flight of stairs. <laughs> she's whoa, been recovering ever whoa. since, but because she's made it back to her house, you can't get her apartment, Christian. I'm sorry. I don't even live there anymore. It's okay. Neither does she. She's actually now living at her daughter's home on Long Island. Oh, she man. is fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she survived. she's fine. She's still alive and she's 100. Um, okay, the last thing in our New York minute, since we overran the music, is that uh, the MTA tries a Times Square shuttle train without seats. <laughs> this is a look into the future. They've already oh. tried an L train during rush hour where they fold up say, the seats. Yeah, I, I was on an L train without seats. How was that? Uh, it was weird. Uh, didn't help anything. No, because you have to like lean over the seat to hang on to the bar, right? Yeah, but like... There, there are still people who are like sitting uh, like against the wall, taking up that space anyway. That would normally be fine. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't solve any problem. No, it doesn't. Uh, just like, well, they said that you know removing seats will allow more people to come on. Just like removing garbage cans will reduce the amount of litter. After seeing this, I said, well, next the MTA is going to run trains less frequently to cut down on congestion, and they'll call that problem solved. 
The following day, I read an article that says they plan to reduce or eliminate overnight train service. Whoa. Yeah. I called it, and I don't want to be right. I don't. I don't want to be right now. You know, I don't want to be right with this, predicting that, but anyway. Are they just trying to give Lyft all the money? The problem is ground transit. There's no more bandwidth on the streets. Just like the G train. There are a lot of trains actually uh, shut, shut off this weekend. The G train was one of them, and I saw a bunch of shuttle buses. But the problem is is that each bus is about one car of a train. And, and although it's the G train, real trains have about eight to ten <laughs> cars. The G train has four cars. And, and there's only like one running at a time. Exactly. But on a real train, if they say we're replacing this with shuttle bus service, they have, what, one or two buses to replace ten cars of trains, and then that train comes every five minutes, and these buses can't make a loop in that. So what I'm saying is ground transit is effed. And How about they, they, they should probably get rid of some parking and then zone more spots for well, just parking they did, lots. They, they did get rid of some parking, and they put city bikes there. And then they're making uh, corridor lanes uh, by taking away avenue lanes and uh, put, making them bus only. Huh. But that's not really going to help the problem. Yeah, in fact, they already did that in Woodhaven Boulevard in Queens. I'm sorry. Anyway, we're, we're too much time. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. And there was an earthquake. Uh, moving on, because on. it's a Sunday night, that means it's time for our Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. GitHub Issues of the Week. Our first GitHub Issue of the Week comes to us from Ansible. Take it away, Christian. All right. So Ansible, it's a configuration management uh, tool uh, owned by Red Hat. Uh, so today's issue, uh, when you have callback plugins... Uh, they're called twice if they're named the same as any built-in ones. Man, this is giving me PTSD. I've spent the last three weeks working on double events being firing. <laughs> or, and I just... This is, anyway, go and, on. And so the issue here is actually just like it calls it by name. You know, it's it's a uh, script you defined, and you got to actually load the script. So it's going to look by name. Oh, uh, so you, there's two ways they could solve this. Either uh, in Ansible code, they actually change it so that way it calls it by absolute path or something. Or you can change it, uh, uh, just change the name like you should, because using a built-in name is just bad practice. Aren't they randomly generated or some kind of law no. algorithmically generated? No, they're like just documented things that you yeah. uh, use. Yep. Gotcha. So what's the fix? Like I said, either better naming or in Ansible itself, they were to change the source code to uh, use absolute pathing. Oh, that does seem sloppy. Yep. You know, it's one of those things, I'm sure they did it for convenience and it worked It worked fine for a while, but now that things have grown up or people, more people are using it or something else, it, it doesn't, shortcuts don't work anymore. Yeah, pretty much. All right, moving on to our next GitHub Issue of the Week. Our second GitHub Issue of the Week comes to us from Elastic. It's Beats. Well, beats. Specifically right. Filebeat. Where is it? Where is it? Oh, no, I blew the, I blew the joke. Okay, beats. What's what, what's the issue? <laughs> so the You're issue so is uh, yourself. <laughs> the issue, the issue well, sorry. is within. Uh, actually, it looks like uh, metric beat. Uh, I thought it was file beat originally, but it's metric beat. There is a uh, out of bounds array access uh, causing a Go routine to panic, and so uh, when that happens, uh, the Go runtime will just crash and say, "Hey, you tried to access invalid memory." So. Sorry. And so the right way to do it, uh, well, the way to fix this would just be like an, a bounce check. 
Uh-huh. And uh, so that would be an easy way. It also seems like it uh, could actually be bad data trying to uh, be fed into this for some reason. Gotcha. Yep. So is there a fix for this? Well, there's an open pull request uh, to you actually do the bounce check. Ah. He said it. He said it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> he said uh, it. All right. Moving on to our next GitHub issue of the week. Our third one comes to us from uh, the lining of my lungs, Cilium. Hmm. Which, by the way, I met, I met two of the engineers from Cilium at reInvent. Awesome Do they cough a lot? No. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Go And you met them at, at AWS reInvent. And? Awesome dudes. Really knowledgeable. Cool, man. Yep. Awesome, bro. Okay. L4 policies need from endpoints to work correctly. So, Cilium added what recently. Is Cilium? Cilium is a uh, container networking uh, tool uh, using BPF to do so. So it's uh, pretty fast. Uh, it <laughs> does uh, a lot of stuff like an SDN would, but it also does stuff that uh, like uh, if your IP tables could handle. Through, okay, this uh, is not BPF. like Kubernetes. No, you use this with Kubernetes or something okay, like that. Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, so this is like, I want all containers of this group to only be able to talk to containers of this group kind of thing. Makes sense. And so it's not accepting uh, an empty from endpoint, allowing any source. But so it does seem a little weird that like, you don't uh, allow only any source, but uh, with only a single destination. But that also makes sense, though, if you're trying to uh, create something that's like just like an uh, edge endpoint that says like, hey, from the public internet, allow anything to come in. But only on this port or something like that. Right. Or if you have a million nodes, wouldn't you not want to... Well, then you'd probably do something like grouping where you can actually like template that in or something. Gotcha. What is, so what are these levels? I see even in the source are, code, it says L3, network. no policy, L4, ingress. Yeah, these are, these are network levels. So like oh, layer, seven, oh, okay. layer 7 would, uh, is L7 as an application layer. Layer 4 is transport layer, so TCP in this case. L3 is uh, IP. Okay. Interesting, and, and it just, you don't need any, these, uh, whatever. Um, okay, and anything else? Uh, they just need to add support that if you have an empty from, it, it treats it as any. Ah, so it's a real bug. Yeah, yep. Wonderful. Well, moving on to our last GitHub issue of the week. The last GitHub issue of the week comes to, sounds like the one we just did. This is Skyla. <laughs> Scylla? Scylla. Scylla. We had cilia and scylla. Cilium. Cilium. Oh, right. A single cilia. Cilium. A single cilium. And this is scylla. Also met these guys at reInvent. Also Skyla? dope dudes. Scylla? Anyway. Okay. And? And so uh, ScyllaDB is uh, basically it took Cassandra, rewrote it to be super efficient. So it's not in Java. It's in C++. And they actually bypassed the kernel on the I.O. to be much faster. Hmm. And How do you so, do that? Uh, doing, uh, passing in direct I.O. flags on I.O. Ah. And so... Uh, so what's the, the issue? The, the issue itself here is that you occasionally have a pointer that is set to null, and then you get this weird un- unbinded uh, f- uh, thing with these uh, uh, cluster key uh, range pointers. So basically it just means like you never uh, initialize the field, uh, the easy way to do this would be to actually just set, uh, set everything to zero and then all of a sudden, or zeroed value, I should say. So that way it's like, if it's an int, it is zero. If it's a Boolean, it's false and so on. Mm-hmm. 
And so with that, there's always some value that it's pointing at. You don't have to worry about that. Oh, so I that see. would fix this. Gotcha. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, guess what? I uh, I didn't mess up this week with my GitHub issues. I actually read them all in order. All right. All right. All right. I didn't skip one. That. Eh. All right. Uh, well, after our GitHub issues, it's time for Tyler's plus one. Our pull request plus ones are where we send out well wishes and acknowledgments of awesomeness to people and other organizations. Who's our first plus one this week, Tyler? AWS. AWS. Uh, most likely due to their conference, they announced a whole bunch of stuff this week. As Christian probably mentioned a few of them already. And uh, the biggest one being Go and Lambda support, which is great for the Go community. Real fast code up in the cloud and ready for anything. Uh, Christian, Eric, you guys have any other uh, big AWS things that you're most excited about? Uh, uh, we use AWS for our podcast. Oh, that's S3. Oh, they yeah, did it have came a, out this week. I did. They did have a podcasting talk. I didn't actually get to go to you it. You didn't go I, to it? I, it was during the same time as a really good talk. Oh, but we do a podcast that's on AWS. Anyway. Yeah, I, I sent you the video if that's any consolation. I'm not watching videos from a conference. So that's, I'll, I'm, I'll watch them if I go. Anyway, we're taking away from Tyler's plus one. <laughs> uh, I will I think, say, the bare metal servers, that was probably my favorite announcement. Nice. I think they did a, a virtual reality development tool or platform or something as well. They did. Yep. Ah. Very cool. All right. Number Moving two on. goes to cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency. Yeah. If you have been reading any news about tech lately, you'll probably see that they are at a basically an all-time high for every single cryptocurrency that exists. Uh, Bitcoin's up around twelve thousand dollars right now. Um, it's just a really great step for uh, cryptocurrency and digital currencies, and they're really starting to have a big impact and start starting to take hold. So, uh, get into that now if uh, if you're ever thinking about it. Yeah, you know it's interesting. Uh, Bitcoin pushing twelve grand. Uh, I, you know, they, everyone's saying, and when I say everyone, I mean, like, uh, executives in big banks are saying the bubble in Bitcoin is going to burst. But my my thinking is this. Because of the 24-hour cycle of these exchanges, once, a, once the bubble does burst, isn't it going to create such an insane amount of demand that it's going to immediately go back to, or, or not immediately, but soon it will go back up to where it was because everyone finally goes, oh, crap, Bitcoin crashed. Now I can buy it. And then they buy it and it goes right back up to where it was. Well, that's yeah. what happened with the last crash. It ended up tripling in value as the ba- the bounce back. Right. Yeah. Damn. I, that ha- that's happened pretty much every crash with tried, most cryptocurrencies. Yeah, I tried buying uh, Ethereum when it had crashed, and it, and it went. And I tried to get it at like two twenty five, and now it's over five hundred, and I would have actually made a couple bucks, but I couldn't get Coinbase to work with my bank account. No Ethereum for you. Ah. I want I want cryptocurrency. I have a I have a negative net worth. You can <laughs> use a regular debit card with Coinbase. I, think. I know that's what I did, and then it didn't work. You need a new bank account. That's another story. All right, moving on. Your last <laughs> plus one goes to Black Friday shoppers. Black Friday. Uh, I did not hear about any major injuries or catastrophes this year. Uh, I don't know if you guys did, but that's really promising news after the last few. Years of Black Friday. All right, the human yeah. race is evolving. Good job, America. We learned something from our past one time. Yeah, and I actually, uh, because I was in Baltimore and I was just doing different things, I played consumer and I went to a Black Friday thing, not at four o'clock in the morning. We went what at a reasonable time. What platform did you play that game on? Uh, it was on Sega Genesis. 
Anyway, um, no, and I bought some new luggage. And I actually bought luggage while I was on a trip using my original luggage, so I got to wear it home. Ooh. <laughs> it's actually, it was actually very nice because my current or my old luggage had, a broken, had broken wheels and the bottom was literally falling out. And the new luggage is five pieces, so I don't have to take something that looks like a Victorian war chest. And then it also swivels, so I can push it and I can pull it. It really helps. Anyway, that's been our Bless Ones. All right. You know, I wanted to move this... Ah. That's scary. I wanted to move the show along quickly, but I don't think that's happening. I don't think that's happening this week. Especially because we're here to introduce a new segment called Apple Attack. That's right. Apple is a horrible company now, and so we take this time every week, or um, from now on, to give them crap. Apple has had a shockingly bad week of software problems. First, there was the... Christian, you'll love this if you haven't heard of it. There was the root uh, security security exploit where you could actually just log into any Macintosh with root and no password. <laughs> they wow. fixed that, but All then you had to do they is had click to like seven or eight times. They, right, they, exactly. They fixed that, but then it, it also triggered a bug that it autocorrects the word "it" to "it," like <laughs> information technology. So How then does fixing that lead to the other. That I don't know, but fixing that <laughs> bug then re-enabled this root fix. Oh, I wow. Don't How? use High Sierra did, or iOS 11. What ungodly, what ungodly coupling of things did they do? This is what, this is like, this is Steve rolling over in his grave. It, I it, swear to God. It's like it's, they wanted to create a chimera animal, and instead of choosing like half of, like the upper half of one animal and the lower half of another animal, they just chose two lower halves. So you got like a, <laughs> a pig ass attached to a dog ass. Uh, oh yeah, here's another one. An iOS 11 bug started crashing some phones around 12.15 a.m. yesterday. It was actually uh, literally related to the time. So it was probably huh. a, it was a cascading failure across the world as everybody at different time zones, time zones hit 12.15 a.m. And then their phones stopped working. That's great. Apple has taken the highly unusual step of issuing iOS 11.2 to all iPhone users if you want to try your luck. Except that it, uh, and it looks like it, it fixes the autocorrect issues because there was another autocorrect issue. The company with everything branded in the letter I won't allow you to type the letter I if it's its own word. It corrects it to A and a question mark, which is an invalid Unicode character. A? Anyway. <laughs> A. Yeah, A. And, there's, and that's just the beginning. But you know what? We're, we're short on time, so I'll leave it. This is our first Apple attack. Speaking of Sega Genesis. Hmm. All right. Uh, that was a good show. <laughs> what? I think we're over. Oh, no. We only, we've only just begun. You know, when we, we take a, when we take a, a, yeah, when we take a break from, from doing the show for a week... Forget how long these shows are. But we gotta... You know, we have to create content. And that's, that's part of the game. Um, You're making the show a whole lot longer by rambling like this. Well, it's because I'm stalling for time <laughs> while I'm pulling up the next thing to do, Tyler. It's called broadcasting. <laughs> HP quietly installs system-slowing spyware on its PCs. This is this week's sneaky spyware. Without Wait, how, how's this news, though? Because HP does this all the time. Well, they just did it again. 
<laughs> okay. Yeah, all spyware sneaky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sneaky, sneaky. It's and, like a sexual uh, prostitute. Like, I know, I know, Christian, implied. with your heritage, you could be a little moody sometimes because you're Irish, but because I'm a Jew, that means I could be, wait a second. <laughs> moody? <laughs> I finally caught up on South Park. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, I'm really, the audience are asleep tonight. Um, <clears throat> yeah, sneaky spy, okay. That's, you know, I'm serious. That's all we have to say about that. Hey, Don't. we're basically like a joke whenever we hang out because it's like an Irish, a Jew, and a Mexican walk into a bar, and it's like that's us. Well, I mean, I've got, I've got all. You can. Uh, yeah, Christian is swap. all of Western Europe. In yeah, one you can person. swap me in for like pretty much any nationality. There <laughs> could be. We'll call you a, wild card. A, a Jew, an Italian, and a Mexican walk into a bar, and it's one person. Uh, it's that's a, Jew, fun. A, a Jew, a Polak, and a Mexican walk into a bar. That's all classic. Right. Hey, hey, hey! Speaking of things making the show longer, um, actually, we could do a Jew and two Russians walk into a bar. I didn't want to. I didn't want to pop off the. Didn't, didn't want to pop Ooh, open Jew, Pandora's box with the Jew jokes Polish this week. Jew. <laughs> yeah, just like uh, Rob Reiner on All in the Family. <laughs> anyway, uh, Eric, okay, you have moving contributed on. Contributed nothing to this conversation. Sorry, <laughs> you have contributed nothing to this great no, joke conversation. Wanna, uh, you anyway. Uh, you can now use a pair of eleven dollar walkie talkies and some ingenuity to crack open most cars that have electronic locks. A group uh, of researchers at the Beijing-based security firm Kuihu. Q-I-H-O-O. That sounds like a great Scrabble word. I've got my money on you mispronouncing. <laughs> <laughs> See who? See, I am an American. Uh, three, qui who 360. <laughs> that's, not how that, that's not how that's pronounced. Recently pulled off the, so, the so-called relay hack with a pair of gadgets that they had built for just $22. They recently showed their results at Amsterdam's Hack in the Box conference, and they said their upgrade also significantly multiplies the radio attack's range, allowing them to steal cars parked more than 1,000 feet away from the owner's key fob. The attack it's a hack in the box. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually be a good name for this segment. It would be, uh, yeah, hack in a box, and then we could... Uh, and then we can get some theme music from him. I like it. Hack and... Not gonna buy you a diamond ring, because that don't mean anything. It's a hack, hack in, in a box. box. <laughs> um, the, the attack essentially tricks both the car and real key into thinking they're close in proximity. Excuse me. One attacker holds a device a few feet away from the victim's key, while a thief holds the other near the target car, so then they can intercept the signal. And they do a man-in-the-middle attack, although that term is, I think, on its way out, uh, like MTA's gender-based announcements, like ladies and gentlemen. Person in the middle. Person in the middle doesn't sound as good. Uh, While a thief holds the other near the target car, the device near the the car spoofs the signal from the key. That elicits a radio signal from the car's keyless entry system, which which seeks a certain signal back from the key before it will open. Rather than trying to crack the radio code, the hacker's devices instead copy it. Then they transmit it via radio from one of the hacker's devices to the other, and then to the key. Then they can immediately transmit the key's response back along the chain, effectively telling the car that the key is in the driver's hand. Now, there have been other attempts in this type of attack on keyless entry cars, but they have usually been more expensive and have worked in much shorter range. Uh, The... Trick here was instead of merely copying the raw radio signal and sending it whole, they built their own custom devices that used chips to demodulate the signal, unpacking it into binary. And then they can just, once they've got the signal in binary, they can retransmit it anywhere. 
And that, that allows them to hack into cars, unlock cars a thousand feet away, compared to only 300 feet with other tests that required thousands of dollars of equipment. Gone in 60 seconds to Operation Walkie Talkie. <laughs> yeah. Starring I mean, you know, Nicholas Cage. <laughs> it doesn't really hurt us that much because we don't have cars and we don't drive, but whatever. For the rest of America, that's. Uh... I'd be more excited if it worked on golf carts. <laughs> Do you, I don't. I think you could just, you just hotwire a golf cart. Probably yeah. The, the the appeal here is that it's it's clean. You don't have to have the wires exposed, leaving evidence that you know you hijacked it. You can just borrow it for a little bit and then bring it back. Gotcha. Oh, okay. It's like free <laughs> Uber. <laughs> For you, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, but you can do that with any anyway. Uh, we don't. I'm just we, gonna walkie-talkie my friend and see if I can borrow his car. Real well, quick. pull request does not uh, endorse or or approve of the stealing of automobiles. Anyway, of grand theft just auto. Just kidding, of course. Of course, of course. Just oh. kidding, guys. All right, moving on uh, to our recurring segment, though we haven't done it in I think a month, and this story is old. It's Theresa May murders the internet. As my finger grazed the button just slightly before it was supposed to ruin the time. I mean, have you seen her Twitter game, though? She's got quite the Twitter game going. Is she actually tweeting for herself? Like Wendy's? (laughs) Similar. (laughs) Similar, yeah. Wendy's. She she tweeted something along the lines of, the U.S. president needs to stop. Oh, my God. Uh, Theresa May said Donald Trump needs to stop. Well, now I should. Come on. Is she? Uh, is Come her lawyers on. giving her something to tweet to defend? She, to cover she needs their to be working on people not uh, running over other Englishmen with trucks. That's what she <laughs> needs to be doing. Anyway, the EU encryption. Oh, sorry, e, the EU has encryption plans, and this article is from October, but we didn't talk about it then. But we should talk about it now because we need to talk about the globalized effort to make encryption illegal and to outlaw it. And I, while I was in Baltimore, I got into an argument with my aunt, who is a lifetime educator, you know, really smart person, master's degree, all that stuff. She's 70 years old, but she is stuck in the, in the cable news bubble. And so is my dad, her, her brother, but he's stuck in a different cable news bubble. My dad is stuck in the Fox News Republican GOP bubble. And, you know, hey, did you see what I saw in Hannity tonight? That was, I don't really care. But my aunt and uncle are stuck in a liberal cable news bubble same thing just a different part of the political spectrum anyway she thinks that only criminals should be allowed use encryption and i said well if you outlaw it then only criminals will use encryption and you don't have a leg to stand on it's the same if you outlaw guns only outlaws will have guns am i right they do realize how credit cards work right and software piracy and pot and places where guns are illegal and guess what Gun thing doesn't really that's different is it yeah, it is Why? because if you outlaw guns, the guns are actually become, more regulated than encryption. Wait, right now. wait! If you outlaw guns and they become a black market thing, then it costs tens of thousands of dollars to get a gun, as opposed to it doesn't cost tens of thousands of dollars to write encryption. Well, there's not a black market for encryption right now, so we can't but, really make that hypothetical but statement. Like writing encryption is free generally. It doesn't. It wouldn't cost be things. writing it's encryption. Just a concept it would be perf- of like it's a it's a thing. It's it would not be. A, it would be performing encryption on a device as a service would definitely carry some large value on a black market. Absolutely. but For sure, but you can also pirate it for free. There's a black market for pirating that shit for free. Like, excuse me. <coughs> We're not, this isn't an After Dark episode, Tyler. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm just saying the metaphor doesn't quite hold up. No, it, I, I, it's I, a hot I think subject, it and I'm just deflating. You're not deflating anything. Because, <laughs> I'm sorry, because it's a tool. I mean, guns are used legitimately. 
like if you want to if you want to cook bacon really well, wrap it around the no- nozzle of a an assault rifle and shoot it a few times. It'll be nice and crispy. No, um, there are legitimate uses for guns, and guns are supposed to be used to protect our, ourselves from government overreach, just like encryption. Except the overreach is not literal. It's well, I mean, it is literal. It's not tangible. It's happening with the NSA inside of your computer, and. The only defense that you have against the government is to encrypt your stuff. Now, you know, we talked about the clipper chip from the 90s. There have been, of course, many attempts for Washington and Silicon Valley to come to an accord on this, on this type of stuff. But right now, it's just a cat and mouse game. And I really believe that with the hundreds of millions of dollars that we have billions of dollars we have in in cybersecurity infrastructure with the NSA and the Air Force the Air Force has a cybersecurity college program that you can go into at the Air Force Academy the uh, NSA has the 2 billion dollar death star crater in Utah you're telling me that we can't if it's some guy has an iPhone with a four digit pin code we can't get into it i don't buy that i'm sorry the government who have, who've gotten used to just re- watching feeds and reading websites for information need to actually do some work and do some work in the 21st century rather than just saying oh the only solution we have is to look into everyone's stuff and that's exactly what the eu wants to do they're trying to create a toolbox to help national law enforcement break encryption and provide up to 500,000 euros to help train European police and boost its police agency against Europol's ability to hack into phones and uh, computers and private messages. Well, when your law enforcement is only armed with a whistle and the ability to (laughs) ask you nicely to stop it, I mean... They have the option to hammer you with a stick if they can catch you. (laughs) That's a good point. That's a good point. I guess in the American version, they would just come over and shoot you. Yeah, without even talking to you. Hey, we saw you being encrypted stuff. I don't know why I'm, that's a cop's voice, but that's a... <laughs> you just shoot him. It's more like a Wilfred Brimley, but more out of breath. Oh, good luck outrunning me, then. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, you, you stop right there, young whippersnapper. Diabetes. Diabetes. Uh... Google knows where I've been every day. That information is being used, sold, and processed. Compare that to what we need to do our jobs and to find the truth in criminal cases. Saying that we can't access those data, it's not acceptable, said Philippe van Linthout, Linthout, a Belgian investigatory judge who prosecutes terror cases. See, Google, like, the whole Google knows where you are at all times is a very broadly meaning thing because, yes, they have that that data. I don't know what that actually means in their argument here. But, yeah, I don't understand why they're bringing that up. But just going back to that particular point, though, it's actually very invalid. If you ask any one Google engineer, none of them are allowed to – no one person is allowed to have all of that data. But you know that these people don't have a good understanding of, of how technology actually works. And we try no, to No, they just think them. it's magic lighting up a screen. I know. And we try to enlighten them by doing this podcast, but they're not going to listen to us. They're just going to listen to the people with the dollars. We don't have any dollars. Ter- in fact, Teresa this podcast has been a negative dollar investment. What? Us. Sorry, Tyler, ter- what was that? Ter- ter- Teresa May tweeted that she's thinking about listening to us. We're oh, did there. she? <laughs> yeah, you know, we don't, we don't it's talk gonna happen. about... Okay, well, we don't spend our day talking about the president and what he writes on Twitter. Anyway. Wait, wait, wait. But did, did you see the fun ha- that happened this weekend? Wait, the, the anti-Muslim things from the British hate group? It's not a political show. Come on. I know that. <laughs> but it... it it was just a real fun Twitter game where, like, he tweeted something to cover his ass, and then his lawyer says that, hey, I wrote that. And then he tweets something that, like, 
breaks that and goes against that anyway. Are, like are you game. surprised? No, it's just hilarious. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think that... The bar the, keeps getting risen I, The whole Western day. world is hanging on his <laughs> every Lord. tweet. I think that that needs, to be inve- that needs to be investigated. Anyway, moving on to cryptocurrency. On November 28th, the Senate... The U.S. Senate Committee of the, of the oh, Judiciary Committee held a hearing regarding S-1241, modernizing AML laws to combat money laundering and terrorist financing. Basically, they're going to make it a crime to willfully conceal any bank account, including that of cryptocurrency. I don't know if this is necessarily a bad thing in, by conceal? itself. Intentionally conceal. When you say conceal, though, what does that mean? The bill. I'm, here's from the, here's. Uh, this is from Diane Feinstein, who I'm not really a fan of. But the bill criminalizes intentionally concealing ownership or control of a bank account. Although during the hearing, no further clarifications were given as to the effects this would have on the cryptocurrency community, based on the amended definition of quote financial institution. It seems clear enough that the bill would, quote, criminalize those intentionally concealing ownership of, of or control of a digital currency or digital exchange account. Now, what, the, what does conceal mean, though? No, no, no. The word, it, it's, it's, to, it's to keep it from, like, the IRS. So if, you're, well, if you have Bitcoin uh, and Bitcoin. you're not declaring it as income, then you should. Well, more than Bitcoin, uh, okay. think about, you know, if we've learned anything about rich people, it's like they, they like to conceal money. Right. So what, what does that mean for that? You know, how far does this extend? If you made seven shell corporations inside of something, does that count as concealing money? Because you're concealing bank accounts. Uh, well, you know what, though? The problem is I think it, it, this hinges on the definition of intentionally because you could accidentally conceal ownership of anything. Or you could just happen to invest in a company and they can't like prove right. that you didn't want to do stuff even though the company did nothing forever. Right. So I think I'm not entirely sure – how bad this will be, except for the fact that you probably will have to start declaring cryptocurrency on your taxes. And if the U.S. does it, then I'm sure other countries will follow suit. Here's something cool with cryptocurrency, though. A new, a new challenger has arrived. Bail Block. It's a cryptocurrency scheme against bail. If you go to bailblock, B-L-O-C, dot thenewinquiry.com, you can read about it. And it's basically like that SETI at home screensaver from the 90s, except that this runs uh, a little program that just mines cryptocurrency. And it has a little widget on the, on the webpage. If 5,000 people ran BailBlock for more than 12 months, view impact, runs a simulation, which I don't know what that is. It says about $151,232 have been raised, 1,816 people freed from pretrial detention, and 1,669 cases dismissed. I don't know how. Oh, this is raising money for the bail by uh, building cryptocurrency. That one hundred, yeah, I, that it, right, right. One hundred percent of the so currency this isn't you're computing money. Well, hold on. One hundred percent of the currency your computer generates is used by the Bronx Freedom Front to post bail for low-income people detained in New York, effective immediately. Bail funds are revolving, which means that they are returned to their source when people appear for all of their court dates, which, for clients of the Bronx Freedom Fund, happens 96% of the time. Most bail block users can expect to generate around 3 to $5 per month. It might not seem like month much, but because of the revolving funding model, it adds up quickly. So it's interesting. So you put in money, but then you get it back once everybody does the thing that they're supposed to do as part of their bail sentence, or their bail bargain, whatever it is. You can tell I haven't been to jail. 
<laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. All right. And see so you're interested in that. Uh, moving on. Did you know that Polaroid still exists? Yeah. Every girl to ever shop at an Urban Outfitter owns one. Didn't Lady Gaga buy the company? No. Are you uh, sure? You know what? I don't know. It's owned by a group. And the group for Polaroid only exists to enforce its patent portfolio and its trademark licensing rules, which is really annoying. Uh, and in fact, Polaroid, who haven't really produced anything, unlike a competing camera company, Fujifilm, uh, Fujifilm have produced some kind of instant photo with a white mat around it, and uh, Polaroid is now suing them, even though Polaroid doesn't, doesn't do that anymore. Let's hear it from our news department. Oh, crap. <laughs> I mean, Polaroid does coming up next to the main stage. Who gave the news department drugs? (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. Let's hear it from our news department. Newmanian presents news to you, New York City. Photography dinosaur Polaroid has woken from its slumber, preying upon one of the few successful ventures left in its industry, Fujifilm. The thin fossil sliver that remains of Polaroid, its brand licensing arm called PLRIP, has allegedly accused Fujifilm of trademark infringement. Polaroid apparently owns the trademark for a square picture in a white square mat on instant film. While Polaroid no longer produces instant film cameras, they still want to enjoy the brand name recognition that comes from decades of success and innovation. The entity that exists is Polaroid today is mainly for licensing. Applying their one, uh, their one mark in a variety of electronics, everything from televisions to tablets to even drones. Despite exiting photography nearly a decade ago, combined with their attempt to dilute Polaroid's brand equity by stretching it across technologies that have nothing to do with it, they want to remain a dominant name in the withering instant film business. They resorted to tactics used by low-class patent squatters the EU, suing successful ventures for money they wish they had. In defense, Fujifilm has filed a complaint with the U.S. District Court in New York to move to this trial and settle the issue for all. And so many Americans are afraid of what happens next. We at least know the world still turns and the truth marches on. And I ran out of time. This has been News to Use. I mean, Polaroid's pretty popular in uh, Urban Outfitters, I'll say that. But it's the name. They're not making cameras anymore. True. That's the point. True. Okay. All right. Uh oh. Well, now that we now that we're done with the first half of our show, let's take a let's take a quick break. What what I'm doing with the difference this week is that I have my iPad on its stand rather than holding mm-hmm. it for the whole time, and that just messes with my muscle memory on where the buttons are. <laughs> uh. Anyway, hopefully this one is uh. Surprise. Do you live in New York City? Well, if you do, Pneumonium has a beautiful new product for you. It's called Where Am I? Your five-borough compass navigator to help you get anywhere from Staten Island to the Bronx. Simply go to www.whereami.nyc and enable location services on your mobile device to find your closest neighborhood borough and three subway stops to you, wherever you are. No ads, no tracking, just geospatial brilliance. That's Where Am I? Brought to you by Pneumonium. Pneumonium, reinventing media daily. Okay. Nice. That's nice break. I hate and commercials. I think we have a shout out this week. We do. A shout out to Urban. Ah, sorry. <laughs> wrong, 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 <laughs> urban conversations. 
Wrong what? conversation. A shout out to Apprenticeship Patterns by David H. Hoover. Who is uh, that? What is that? So it's a, Apprenticeship Patterns is a book I came across. I was starting to feel a little less inspired to code lately, so I was kind of looking for something to just kind of get me back into the swing of things. And this is the first day of the rest of your life. <laughs> when the passion for technology withers, Christian, I remember that day. And now I'm just an old man. It's very sad. <laughs> well, this book you should definitely read in that case because this really helps you. Uh, it starts out with this uh, great uh, story of this uh, uh, what's the word philosopher going to this Zen guru to try to learn new things. But with everything they do, he's like, oh, yeah, I learned this, this, and this, and this. And, uh, and then, like, the Zen guru is just, like, nods his head politely. And then, finally, uh, the Zen guru invites him over for this uh, tea ceremony. And he pours uh, a, a cup of tea for the guy. And he, uh, he's like, and the Zen guru just keeps on pouring, pouring. It starts overflowing. And the, uh, the uh, philosopher is just like, whoa, what's going on? And then the Zen guru says, like, like if you already have a full cup of tea, what good am I? You need to at first empty your, your, your t- cup of tea in order to start learning. And then from there it goes... That's pretty funny. And what else? And then from there the book just goes into like applying this to more like a software practices. Like this guy, David Hoover, uh, he's worked at ThoughtWorks. He's worked at Google. A uh, lot of uh, pretty uh, big names in the... Uh, uh, tech, tech world. I bet his uh, house is very clean. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, this is like uh, it's not it's not at all like specific to any code or anything. It's just like, hey, when you're uh, when you're coding, whether uh, like you're a beginner, intermediate, or expert, like approach things a certain way. And like from the uh, from like the beginner standpoint, it's like, hey, this is a good way to approach things. That way, you can learn really well. From the intermediate standpoint, it's like. Approach things this way so you can keep on going. From the expert standpoint, you can be like, hey, you probably already feel exhausted. You probably already feel like you're starting to lose interest in this. So here's a great way. You may have been on three startups in 10 years that haven't gotten anywhere. You (laughs) may hate your life and live in an apartment in Brooklyn by yourself. But wait, there's hope for you yet. You could keep coding. That's right. Where is it? it? It's a really good book to do because it's like, here's how to approach your work. And it also like... It, it really spoke to me in a lot of ways where, like, I'll, I'll talk to certain people uh, in the industry and, like, they might even be, like, very green in a certain area and be very, uh, but still have some value out of it. Or, or they can be people who are very pushing some idea that makes no sense to you whatsoever and you try to look at it and, like, it might make sense, it might not, but it, it it's really created less stress out of these things that used to stress me a lot. Interesting. Well, I think that sounds pretty good. I might have to give that a read. Yeah, because... it's, uh, it's available on O'Reilly.com. And it's uh, available at all wall bogs. Uh, on what? All wall bounds. You don't <laughs> say it like that. You know, when you overmodulate, that's how the commercial is. Available at all wall bogs. <laughs> You're from Long Island. You don't know that? Come on. No. Uh, anyway. Uh, all right. Well... I really need it because when you're 30 years old and have been coding since you were 13, you might want to take a break. But then you realize that technology actually makes a lot of money compared to other industries. Anyway, that's why I still code. Uh, this week's episode is about net neutrality. Dun, dun, dun. And I actually found out that they still use this music on football games. And I should not use this music on our podcast. I didn't know that. 
Yeah, do you have the written consent of the NFL or, or and any of his uh, subsequent TV broadcasters? <coughs> Sorry, what was that? I didn't hear you. Anyway, <laughs> in, in, this episode's about net neutrality because uh, it's a big issue and we have... Uh, we, nobody likes anybody that our president picked for any position, and the president has picked a former Verizon person to head the FCC, Ajit Pai. We've talked about him a lot. And he wants to undo uh, the not-dingo Tom Wheeler's legacy. Uh, Tom Wheeler sounded like a stooge until that uh, last week tonight happened, where John Oliver called him a dingo. Apparently, Tom Wheeler has HBO and watched the episode and said, I don't want to be a dingo anymore, so I'm going to do the right thing. And he implemented rules that, until they're repealed, which may be next week, it may be next month, it may be next year. Well, next month is next year, but you know what I mean. Uh, that all traffic is supposed to be treated equally and that ISPs can't discriminate over the types of traffic that are served, even though they currently do. They don't. Now, let's take, now the, in order to have this conversation... No, in, in so, order, sorry, in order they to have do this, discriminate currently from the consumer side. They do not... Uh, discriminate the, on the business side, right? Yes. But the point is, well, there, there was also an important decision in 2007, I think, I should have had added this to the outline, uh, where the Supreme Court ruled that mobile networks actually do have the ability to regulate traffic as they see fit. So with more traffic going online, yes. that means that it, the mobile web is definitely not going to be net neutral. Now, to start off, there are two definitions of net neutrality. We just talked about one of them, which is that all traffic is neutral. The ISPs are neutral and that they don't discriminate in the types of traffic that, are, that occur on their networks, even though they currently do right now for residential. The other definition of net neutrality is that the government remains neutral and the government doesn't impose any sort of regulations on ISPs like Verizon or Comcast or Time Warner. And... That's the net neutrality that Ajit Pai likes. That's the net neutrality that Verizon likes. That's the net neutrality that Comcast likes. And that's unfortunately also the net neutrality that Google and Facebook and Amazon and Microsoft like. And we'll get to that in a minute. But first, let's focus on the horrible FCC. But wait, wait, wait. Before that, though, I do have to mention just one net neutrality story I heard recently. What's that? So this one guy, he urged all of the tech billionaires to buy, buy up the ISPs near Ajit Pai's house. And specifically, get, deliver him really slow internet. But wouldn't if they did that? Wouldn't that do the thing that they're fighting against? Which is exactly just to show him what it's like. Ah. But then, the CEO of one of my competitive companies, Cloudflare, they happened to uh, uh, he happened to leave a little comment like, "Oh, I don't even have to buy an ISP, and I can make his internet slower." And, and then it's like you're, you're missing the point, dude. Yeah, the, the point is is that we should not do the things that evil people do to show the people what they're doing, even though it might make a good example. I don't like that, but I get the point. Is you know, But that's not what's going to happen. They're not going to make your internet slower just because you're you. They're going to make your internet slower because you read Breitbart. They're going to make your... No, they make, yeah, gonna no make your, that's, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be your internet becomes slower when you want to go to a certain website versus another website. Right, and when, when Verizon has its own Pornhub and they block Pornhub.com, that's going to be a real problem for you, Christian. No, because <laughs> oh, no, no. it's well, cable vision. Never mind. Pornhub yeah. will make a decentralized network that we'll be able to access. <laughs> <laughs> It'll never go down. No, we'll have a great we'll have a great like ten episode arc on Pull Request where Christian constructs an ad hoc network to restore access to Pornhub. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, no, it's, it's 
It's okay. It's well, okay because you have cable. I, we have cable vision, so I don't think anything's going to happen because they seem like the local companies seem like they're going to do less. Even though cable vision has already yelled at me for something. Um, so I've been really wanting to ask pe- more people in my industry their opinion on this because I'm really in our curious. industry. We're no, on... I mean like you know like network traffic. Oh right, yeah, specifically. What is their opinion on it? I haven't talked to enough people about it. It's gener- it's generally that like they don't like it. It's ba- it's a bad idea. But uh, I mean like but, more so like what are people predicting is going to be the impact to the industry? Well, you can actually see right now places where net neutrality has doesn't exist like in Portugal. Um hold on residential internet packages. I think uh that's uh hold on. There's I saw this thing that had uh Sorry, guys. Eric's fiddling with his package. Yeah, see, yeah, this is the one thing I didn't have to pull up. Uh, here we go. Portugal's internet shows us a world without net neutrality. And you can see they have different types of plans. They have a messaging plan that allows you to use WhatsApp, Skype, whatever the blue phone is, Messenger, Messages, and FaceTime for $9.99 a month. Or for $4.99 a month, and those are in, Europe, in euros. You can have a social package, which allows you to use Facebook, Instagram, all your popular social networks for $4.99 a month. But if you wanted to make a new messaging client... Or a new social network, since Slack isn't on the messaging plan, by the way. I don't think that counts, though. Uh, you know what? I've had the same thing on when I use Wi-Fi and airlines. They only allow specific apps. They only allow specific protocols. They only allow specific services. And oh, that's totally oh, kosher oh, right oh. now. For, Sorry? for airlines, for airlines, there's a really awesome way to get around that. And Which this what? is if you're just looking for Layer 7 ways around it. And that's DNS Cat. It okay. pipes all of your traffic through DNS. You think that would work for this? Not for this, but if you're on an airline, the, your specific use case that you just brought. Ah, right, right, okay. Just make sure yeah. same one. Anyway, the point is that uh, these ISPs have selected the platforms that they want to support, and that they'll give to you for your price, for your for your reasonable internet price, and then they'll make the unlimited internet package just like what happens is expensive as if you bought every channel on cable television. And if we want to see. I'm going to turn off this onerous music because the the problem we have is this. The internet exists as a distribution platform. It's not just a place for people to convene and exchange ideas. It's a heavily monetized distribution platform. And much Mm -hmm. like every other monetized distribution platform, you have and need, require paid prioritization. It's the only way around. That's the only way. If you want to send a letter... To Mexico. I don't know why I chose Mexico. To California. You can send it in the mail. It'll get there next year because it's the holidays. If you want it to actually get there, you have to spend a couple bucks and go to FedEx. And it's going to be the same. I, I, don't, I don't see this type of business model not happening on the Internet. And it sucks. I'm not saying that I support it, that I want it to happen. We're the small people. So I hit my microphone again. We're the small people. We're the people that would lose out on, pre- on paid prioritization. Just like we had that story a couple weeks ago about Facebook uh, delisting page posts on your newsfeed if they didn't pay. In, in, in some countries. That's exactly what this is. Paid prioritization. It's working. It's implemented right now in the microcosm. Repealing net neutrality implements that at the macrocosmic scale. And, and it's only for the U.S. I don't know. I, 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 anyway. Moving on. Uh, the, here's an article. The, uh, net, is net neutrality killing small ISPs? 
In April, 22 small providers signed a letter to the FCC asking for the end of net neutrality, the first definition that we talked about, writing that this policy imposed onerous burdens on their businesses. FCC Chairman Pai has latched onto this since he was named chairman in January. He's been touting the damage that net neutrality could do to regional and mom-and-pop internet providers, even though he used to work at one of the largest in the world. Um, I don't think there's such a thing as mom-and-pop internet providers. Cablevision? You re- they are not mom-and-pop. They are when you compare them to Verizon. Okay, that's fair. He cited his this letter as proof. Uh, is actually bigger than I think it is. Whatever. Uh, he cited this letter as proof when announcing plans to reverse net neutrality in his classification of internet providers under a legal statute known as Title II, which is something that I support because internet ISPs should have the same regulations as phone companies, since you usually use some kind of phone-ish service to connect to the internet. Anyway, quote. Heavy-handed regulations are especially tough on new entrants and small businesses that don't have the armies of lawyers and compliance officers that large, well-established companies do, Pai said just one day later. So if we want to encourage smaller competitors to enter into the broadband marketplace or expand, we must end Title II. You know, they always talk about these the small guys when they want to end a regulation that hurts the big boys. When, like, when uh, there was that regulation that required, we'll talk about this again in a minute, that required... All ISPs, this was under Obama, uh, to publish a notice whenever they make changes to their agreement that they have with you or whenever they have changes to their service, they're required to notify you, the customer. And people like Ajit Pai complained about that because of the documents and compliance, but they have people whose jobs is to literally do that stuff. But the mom-and-pop internet service providers don't. I don't know. He's using these arguments when they work to his advantage, but not all the way around. I mean, I'm all for getting rid of ISPs because the way the internet was originally designed was not for tier 3 providers. Well, guess what, Christian? Getting rid of ISPs is going to be like getting rid of cryptocurrency well, sorry, exchanges. Sorry, ISPs, but like getting rid of all the tier 3 ones because they're just useless. Well, what I'm saying is that the centralization of the internet is just like is I know the internet was meant to be decentralized just like cryptocurrency was meant to be decentralized, but centralization has sprung up. Well, just like that's my skepticism about anarchy, by the way, is that eventually something will congeal, a hierarchy will come out, whatever it is, and then there will be government again. Well, the only reason why any centralization has come out of the Internet or, well, okay, two reasons for the Internet and one reason for cryptocurrency. Well, okay, same two reasons, actually. Capitalism and government. Right. Which is exactly why I, I see net neutrality happening. Well, so to the anarchy argument, if you get rid of both of those, that's anarchy. So if those aren't, don't exist, how can they recreate themselves? But to this argument, though, at tier one, at the tier one level, it is decentralized if you are yourself a tier one. Okay, but there's the like problem. three tier ones in the world, or five tier ones in the world, aren't there? There are way more. Really? Yeah. I thought you had like May East and May West and... Uh... Oh something no, else? those those are, that's something else. Oh, those are border uh, or is it, those are border gateways. No, that's not. No, no? Uh, I that, thought that's I like that's like the actual like fiber backbones. Oh, I like, thought that's, backbones. That's not, that, there we go. That's, that doesn't have to do with like tier tier one providers. Tier one providers are like uh, actually like hey, we'll give you BGP communities. You can also do your own, but you need to have a lot of internet uh, infrastructure for that. Gotcha. And one thing that we love doing as Americans is we like taking out a lot of the T's in internet. Internet, internet, internet. This is so much, I don't know, too many gratuitous T's. Um, let's see. So much of the reason for this episode and America's furor over net neutrality comes from Ajit Pai saying that they plan to uh, end it in December. And it's December right now. 
The move would reignite a years-long debate that has been, it's about a year long since it ended, uh, that has seen the Republicans and broadband providers seeking to eliminate these rules, while Democrats and technology companies support them. I don't think all technology companies support them. We'll get back to that in a minute. However, the regulations passed in 2015, and I don't think we're able to really be put into effect, ever. Uh, the regulations passed in 2015 bar broadband providers such as AT&T and Comcast from interfering with the web traffic sent by Google, Facebook, etc. One of the people uh, said Pi may call for vacating the rules except for portions that mandate internet service providers inform customers about their practices. One of the most severe options that would please broadband providers. They argue, we just talked about this, like I said, the FCC's rules aren't needed and discourage investment in part because they are subject, they subject companies to complex and unpredictable regulations, even though these companies have compliance officers. Uh, Democrats and technology companies, I don't like grouping those two together, okay? I really don't. But Democrats and technology companies say the rules are needed to make sure telecommunications providers don't favor business partners or harm rivals. Now, when does a technology company become a telecommunication? When does a technology company become a telecommunications provider? <gasps> Google Fiber. Uh. Yeah. Okay. I'll give it to you. And do you think Google is not the company that would prioritize their own services over the rest of the internet? So They're doing it right now on ad, search. Ad, ad work, uh, uh, customers would also be in there, which is basically everything ever. But uh, like, if they are making money off their ads tech, which is their biggest cash yeah, cow, over ninety percent of their revenue comes from the ads. Yeah, if they weren't doing that, then they like so you know Maybe they selling they, oranges they, on Fifth Avenue. Pretty much. They, <laughs> so they they probably would give priority to all their ad word or ad tech user, whatever that is. And that's almost all of the internet. Right. Especially now that they own DoubleClick. And they have and they have a completely vertically integrated display ad ecosystem. Uh, anyway, we're getting off track. The FCC also declined to, t- declined to comment on the timing of a vote. So they actually don't have anything on the schedule right now, despite the clamoring that it's going to happen. Uh, uh, Pi could also choose not to find authority in the FCC's powers to promote broadband. This would leave the rules without an apparent legal footing, leading in turn to a conclusion that the agency lacks the authority to even issue revisited, less stringent regulations. It sounds like Pi wants an impotent government organization that allows companies to just do whatever they want. And, much like our union debate, the FCC exists to bring balance between the people and the companies. And what the companies are doing with radio frequencies and communication. This is incredibly different from unions. This is to protect citizens against a company, not to protect workers from a company. No, I'm just saying it's an equilibrium equation. You have to find the balance between government regulation and and corporate monopolies. And when I say monopolies, I mean like the game Monopoly, where Verizon and Comcast own the whole side of the board. Anyway. Uh, Yeah. Uh, and these notices, by the way, that they talked about, they said were so dangerous, complex, and unpredictable, are, are important because they, we need to make sure that the ISPs are performing on their service level agreements. Remember the ISPs that we had talked about? I think one of them was Verizon that wasn't even living up to its FIOS agreement with the city. And I don't know. I don't know if that's the same thing, actually. I wanted it to be. I don't know if it actually is. Anyway... Uh, the FCC has been doing a lot of other things outside of just net neutrality, and it's important that we bring this all we bring this into the discussion as well because it's related. 
but not exactly about the internet. Uh, there's two things, one about TV and one about telephones. And that there was a long-standing rule for uh, decades that prevented a single company to own a newspaper, television, and radio station in the same town. You know, vertically in- integrating your information acquisition so then they could basically just tell you whatever you, they want you to hear and then you'll believe it because whenever you, you open up a news item, it's owned by the same company. Huh. Because there's only like three news companies now. It's going to happen. And the FCC eliminated these restrictions, known as a media cross-ownership ban, in a three-to-two vote along party so lines. So Fox News is going to have a newspaper. So Fox News could have a newspaper and a radio station. So, which, Glenn, but, which Glenn Beck will be in charge of. I mean, Right, uh, yeah. exactly. Uh, anyway, uh, as part of the vote, the agency also increased the number of television stations a company could own in a local, in a local market. A company will more easily be able uh, to own two of the four largest stations in a market instead of only one. Jeez. Huh. In, uh, let's see, in April, the agency relaxed other limits on television ownership. Short, shortly after, Sinclair Broadcast Group reached a deal with Tribune Media for a $3.9 billion merger that makes these five companies go down to three companies, or four companies. It would allow Sinclair to reach 70% of American households. I think Tribune is second to, like, Hearst in terms of media ownership. And I was reminded that Hearst is... They say they're the largest media organization in the world, but I didn't know that, and that's why I didn't get the job. Anyway, moving on. Uh, the FCC will block states from passing their own net neutrality laws. So if, if we wanted to do something cool in New York, we can't. We won't. We won't. So uh, no states' rights, huh? No what states' rights. That? Yeah, the Republicans are the party of states' rights. I don't know. How about that, huh? How huh? about that? Yeah. So to sum up, states can't pass anything a party covered. Issue anymore. <laughs> but I mean, beyond that too, New York has so many unions that that'll never happen anyway. What won't happen? The idea of New York regulating uh, the ISPs in a no, no, no. Way. But what we've been doing recently is we just like saying no to what the government does, what the, go- what the federal government does. Did you Did you see De Blasio campaign the other day about the tax plan? No, he no, was he, he was he was heading a protest outside of Trump Tower. Oh my God! And he was saying, "No, we don't like the tax plan, even though my taxes will go down because I'm a billionaire and friends with the Clintons." And what he should have been doing is figuring out how to remedy the situation for New Yorkers because he is our mayor, rather than yelling at the president. That does nothing. Yeah, you know, if you wanted to remedy the situation, he could he should totally resign. Just rem- well, that too. That'd probably yeah. be better than my idea, which was just get rid of the city tax. Well, then we're not going to, the city's not going to have any money. Don't they have like a gigantic surplus? Yeah. Like a record high surplus? Right, but we, we need that. Do we? Yeah. For, for what? So then what? Our income so, will so just come from parking tickets? That's not every day. So what? Wait, what was that? I said what? Then our income will come from just parking tickets? That's not smart. Well, we might have to bail out the airline companies again. Well, New York's not going to do that. I, I think that because New York City has the largest reserves in history, we, now's the time to use it. When they say, well, it looks like you can't deduct educational uh, purchases if you're a teacher, de Blasio could say, well, no, you can if you live in New York City. And we're going to fix that as soon as, the, as soon as the people get back to work from the Thanksgiving holiday. But he's not. But he's yeah. not. He's just saying, yeah, Donald Trump, yeah, screw you, man. 
You're not cool. You just need evil capitalists, man. Why don't you listen to us? We're the people. We don't have any money. <sighs> Meanwhile, he's probably one of the richest people in New York City. Like I said, he his taxes will go down from this bill. Ours, yeah. Christian, unfortunately, will go. Oh, down. you and I, really? Oh man, it sucks for us. Uh, I just, I finally made enough money to live. Anyway. So states can't pass anything covered in the 2015 net neutrality order, and they can't pass anything the FCC mentioned, uh, but they didn't pass in the new order, and they can't pass anything that would make life more difficult for ISPs. That seems to include the stricter privacy rules that Congress voted to throw out earlier this year. Great. (laughs) Now, we've given the FCC a lot of crap, and well-deserved. We are not a fan of Ajit Pai. However... The reason why I believe, and you guys can yell at me as you do, which is why we have a show. I believe that net neutrality, the end of net neutrality, is inevitable for one reason. And that's the fact that these major content providers slash cloud platform providers, Google, Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft, have these platforms that so many services run on. They are effectively their own internet. And guess what? They do love prioritizing traffic and if you have a service that doesn't run on one of these cloud platforms it can definitely i mean well what happens christian if you're running a server if you're if you have a web service that isn't on a cloud platform it's just on a server or two then you better have a good network engineer who understands bgp okay and eventually what will happen the website break no no what? No. What? No. Anyway, the <laughs> argument that I'm making is that if you, you basically, if you want your web service to be used and accessible by most people in the world, you basically need to use one of these cloud platform providers. And you really when don't. They, what? You really don't. You really don't? No. Okay. Well, it looks like uh, Google and Facebook now have direct influence over 70% of all internet traffic. Mobile internet traffic is now the majority of traffic worldwide, and in Latin America alone, Google and Facebook services have had 60% of all mobile traffic. In 2015, growing to 70% by the end of 2016. The remaining 30% is shared amongst all other mobile apps and websites, and the mobile devices are primarily used for accessing the Google and Facebook networks. The, the, this is different. This is like you go to Google to find a website. This is you go to uh, Facebook and find a link to click on. This isn't like you're running on, oh, okay. on Google's cloud. You're right. I, I misspoke. Uh, yeah. So it's the way of finding information. Well, why do they use... Oh, I guess Amazon for the retail? And e-commerce? What? Hold on. Uh, anyway, you're right. I misspoke. The point is, is that still, if you're not on Google or Facebook or if you're not on Amazon as e-commerce, you're losing. I have a web. Cl- I have a freelance client oh, that isn't on Amazon. Amazon Merchant. If you're not on Google AdWords, if you're not on, that's been true since those companies existed, though. Well, since those companies got into the limelight, I should say. Well, the this article makes a point in saying that there was a, a big turning point in 2014. Uh, and afterward, and and now the model for searching and finding things is different, even though you still use Google. But to give you an idea, um. Facebook and Google dominance can be seen among media websites. The most popular web properties that don't belong to Google or Facebook are usually from the press. For instance, in the USA, there are six media sites in the top ten. Excuse me. And in Brazil, there are six in the top ten. In the UK, it is five out of ten. Where do these media sites get their traffic? It was from SEO, uh, since it had accounted for 35% of the traffic. 
but more than 50% came from various other places on the web. SEO was important, uh, and Facebook presence was a nice to have. But since 2014, traffic from Facebook grew to approximately 45%, surpassing the status that search, that search had. And in 2017, the media depends on both Google and Facebook for page views, since that's the majority of their traffic. And so if you're not on Google or Facebook, and then you know what? This actually gives even more credence to my paid prioritization uh, argument. Because how, are, how is your stuff getting distributed on, on Google and Facebook? You have to pay. Double-click, AdWords, have to pay per impression. Facebook, newsfeed, you have to pay. If I wanted our podcast to actually have listeners... No, I'm kidding. We actually have a couple. Uh, if I wanted us to have a few listeners instead of a couple, I'd have to pay for it. Paid prioritization. It's going to happen. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Google has acquired 18 social media companies, of which only one acquisition happened post-2014, while five of them happened in 2010 alone. They're trying to figure out why Facebook is eating their lunch. Uh, in 2014, Facebook apparently reorganized itself to focus on social only. In February, it bought WhatsApp for 11 times the price Google bought YouTube. In December, it canceled its Bing partnership with Microsoft. <laughs> Thank God. User retention of Facebook.com grew steadily. And though through its four simple products, Facebook, WhatsApp, Messenger, and Instagram, Facebook has become the social superpower. And... You know, I'm guilty of it. A lot of the stuff that I find for the show, I find reading on Facebook. That explains so much, actually. <laughs> well, it, you know what? It links to Hacker News, Christian, so it's not like... Yeah, but like... I could just have it bookmarked and save has, myself a step. Hacker News has a three-day delay on Facebook posts versus Good. their posts, but... Sounds cool. familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, it does. Uh, <laughs> because it's our... Uh, Anyway, I've been really lousy yeah. with the sound effects tonight. Uh, these are no longer the same companies as four years ago. Google is not anymore an internet company. It's the knowledge internet company. Facebook is not an internet company. It's the social internet company. They used to attempt to compete, and this competition kept the market diverse. However, today, they seem mostly satisfied with their orthogonal dominance of parts of the web, and we are slowly losing diversity of choice. Which leads us to another part of the internet, e-commerce. Amazon doesn't focus on making profit. They have a great graph that shows Amazon's revenue versus net income from 1997 Edgy. to 2015. Net income has remained flat. And AWS is profitable, and it's the reason that they were profitable last uh, uh, year. Well, that doesn't even show on Amazon's net income. Their because net income net. was I'm profitable sure they had huge losses otherwise, other parts of the... But... Because They're, Amazon is the new Sears, it's really hmm. shutting out other competition. I mean, I don't even go to Newegg anymore. That's really sad. But Newegg doesn't do free two-day shipping to my house. I mean, nobody does Newegg anymore. Well, they're still around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, Tim Berners-Lee... They also don't spend an entire week in Vegas letting uh, uh, engineers get drunk. <laughs> so <laughs> no, that, no. that you might need to change I've gotta, that. They gotta, I've got to figure out how to go to the next one. Uh, Tim Berners-Lee, the guy who created the World Wide Web, as distinct from the Internet, said that he, it, he wanted, or he said that the web is dying. And the web that he wanted and the web that he got are no longer the same. He wanted a peer-to-peer -peer vision with no dependency on a single party. Try not to pop on the peas. And that's not true. 
What also is very interesting is sometime last year, as a world, mobile internet traffic has overcome desktop internet traffic. And we already talked about the fact that mobile internet traffic is not subject to net neutrality regulations anyway. So we have a problem. And the problem is that this net neutrality stuff's going away. The golden age of the internet is over. The wild west it used to be. You could download anything that you wanted and not get caught. Those days are over. And we're going to move into a highly centralized world with three or four players, major players, and then the rest of us. And that's how it is in every industry. Why would the world, why would the internet be different? Or the web, sorry. Why would the web be different? My question is, if the internet became that and it became crappy, then why would the people put up with a centralized internet and why not make a decentralized internet? Because you still want access to the centralized services this, like Facebook and, and well, Instagram. There's been a lot of proposals for a decentralized internet as well, and none of them are really. Uh, they they work in like the most populated areas of the world, but then they fall through after that. That makes sense. It wouldn't work well for rural. And yes. uh, well, eventually you get a venture, and then you you know you get satellites put involved, and if you know you want to go to the backwoods, you can get a little bit of service if you had like satellite phone, like how people had in the nineties, like in well, they still satellite. have satellite internet now, and it sucks. Yeah, satellite. You're looking at a minimum of uh, five hundred millisecond RTT. Yeah, yeah that that's is, like, not going to yeah. be super. But if you want to go to the jungle and you still want internet, you got it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, <clears throat> with I, with ISPs or with uh, the FCC trying to repeal net neutrality. Uh, and the ISPs will then be able to dictate what traffic can or can't arrive at people's end devices. They will probably pick the Google, Facebook, Amazon slice of the internet, and not and why, And if you if they gave you a, if they gave you a package where you could access Google, Facebook, and Amazon, and their cloud cloud platforms, let's say, and the social networks that they own, and you wanted to pay, you have to pay more for everything else. How many people do you think would actually just buy the starter pack internet? A lot. Too many is right. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, but at the same time, like I said, I don't see this not happening. And it's really hard, and it's really sad. But it's just a sign of the times. This article ends with the appleification of tech giants. And while this isn't an Apple attack, I have to hit this button twice to turn it off. Uh, while it's not an Apple attack, these companies are mimicking Apple's strategy of, bu- of building brand loyalty around high-end devices. Through a process the writer calls applification, they are, one, setting up walled gardens, two, becoming hardware companies, and three, marketing the, the design while designing for the market. It's a threat to Apple itself because Apple sucks now. Hmm. I, honestly, I, I saw a couple of Google um, Pixel commercials while I was in a place that had a television and cable, and they're not, it doesn't actually look bad. It's a pretty cool phone. I'm I I might get one. Whoa. I need a new phone, and I don't want an iPhone X. And I don't want Why an not? eight either because it doesn't have a headphone port. I want an OLED screen, and I want a headphone port. Well, Pixel, Pixel too. Pixel, yeah. yeah. But I don't want to use Android. Can I make my phone no, a Hackintosh? Android's great if you don't have a bloatware Android. Yeah, as long as you don't go Samsung or no, LG, No, I don't like good. the user interface. It looks too Microsoft-y to me. You can customize it. Your just like you can customize Windows. Same. No, way, way more no. than Windows. Okay. No, There's... you can actually write CSS to modify the entire thing. Well, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, you can make uh, your own. But then, doesn't that get overwritten when it updates? No. Yeah, smart. Anyway, 
The next wave of walled gardens might look different, less noticeable, but nonetheless disruptive to the web. And it turns out Alexa has been censoring some searches. Siri doesn't work, so that's not going to do anything. Really? Because I just got the Echo Dot recently. Okay. Like, watch this. Alexa, Simon says pull request. Did you guys hear that? I did. Nice. That's cool. How about... uh... All right. Anyway, um, yeah, and all those companies do have hardware devices. Yep. So, um, yeah. I don't know. I, I like I said. I, I I know I'm going in circles on this. I just really don't see a a solution. There's not a solution. We just have to somehow get over the hump of being a nobody and uh, become a somebody so we can get picked up by one of these content networks. In fact, Facebook's producing video. They're, so they have a TV show with Bill Murray and his brother. I mean, I keep on getting e- emails asking these guys, uh, these guys asking me to interview. Who? Them, but Facebook, Google, and Amazon, uh, all three of them have hit me up in the last month. Ah. Yeah. I'm not uh, going to take it, though. I've, why, why not? Because I've done it once, and I'm not really looking right now. Facebook might am, be cool. You might make a lot of friends. If I was looking, I would, but anyway. I'm not at the moment. Well, uh, it's got net neutrality do stuff you, has got bad enough. Stoil? The G-Pi has stopped. <laughs> what was that? They've got good stoil. Ah, yes. <laughs> no one could defeat my stoil. Uh, Federal Communications Commission Chairman Ajit Pai, we've talked about him a bunch, he's finally asked people to stop harassing his family over attempts to roll back net neutrality provisions. <laughs> During a Monday interview on Fox's, Fox and Friends, a network I don't watch, uh, Pai addressed a sign that was put up outside his home that mentioned uh, his children's names. And, the, and it read... They will come to know the truth. Dad murdered democracy in cold blood. And this looks like it was written by a five-year-old. <laughs> but that's another story. It certainly crosses a line with me. Well, then, don't vote on this stuff. Uh, let's see. Uh, Tumblr suppressed net neutrality content. It's actually funny. People are complaining about being automatically unfollowed from pro-net neutrality Tumblr accounts. That's a weird place to be pro net, uh, net neutrality. Actually. Well, it is owned by Verizon. Oh, I did not know that. Yes. Interesting. A, key, a user by the name Iconto, E-Y-K, Iconto, replied that the users were automatically being unsubscribed from the net neutrality tag and were not receiving related content that would normally appear on their dashboard. I follow the tag, come back 20 minutes later, and I'll look for some reason to have unfo- unfollowed the tag automatically. Uh, here's another one. Uh, it looks like many pro-repeal net neutrality comments were likely faked. Uh, one pro-repeal spam campaign used mail merge to disguise 1.3 million comments as unique grassroots submissions. Shocker. There were likely multiple other campaigns aimed at injecting what may total several million pro-repeal comments into the system. It is highly likely that more than 99% of the truly unique comments were in favor of keeping net neutrality. But after clustering com- uh, comment categories and removing duplicates, uh, duplicates, they found that less than 800,000 of the 22 million comments submitted to the FCC, about 3 to 4%, could be considered truly unique. Wow. 
I mean, my opinion on that is I've never met someone that says, yeah, I would love it if the internet service providers could throttle the speed of what internet... They're doing it already on your phone. I know, Eric. They want to do it. They're doing it already on your desktop in Canada. I was trying to make a point. Have you ever asked someone, hey, do you think that that should be appealed? But you're trying to say we shouldn't be doing this thing that we're already doing. You're not not entertaining my joke, okay? Sorry. Making a point and you're making an argument. Sorry, man. Uh, I love this. If you look at the article, they have the screenshot of the duplicate words. And it's just like, there are the arguments that are inserted into every mail message. People like me, as opposed to, and then they have as opposed to highlighted. And you can see it in like 10 different messages. So-called experts, that's also highlighted in a bunch of <laughs> different comments. People like me, as opposed to so-called experts, should be, able to, should be free to buy whatever products they choose. Oh, it's funny. Um... Yeah. Uh, one, one last thing to touch on uh, also about the FCC that they voted uh, two weeks ago to relax the rules for retiring copper wiring. And we had talked about people losing, you know, making an ad hoc internet or people uh, using satellite internet or satellite connectivity in the sticks. Uh, copper wiring is currently how a lot of these people communicate with the rest of the world, whether it's on rural uh, landlines or whether it's on DSL that goes over the copper. And... Uh, uh, this change was specifically aimed at Verizon and AT&T and is going to make it a lot easier for them to tear down old copper wiring. The big consequence, however, is that many customers will lose voice services. It reverses rules put in place by Tom Wheeler, again, that require telcos replace copper with a service, and this is what sucks, service that is functionally as good as the copper. And now that now they don't have to do that. Sweet. So... Uh, of a bigger concern, the rural areas will lose access to 911. A lot of homes still keep landlines just for that. And, uh, however... Damn. Sorry? Damn. Yeah, and uh, uh, Pi cited that, e- that the telco carriers could save 40 to $50 per home per year by eliminating copper. Well, that's really bad. These people just aren't going to have phone service. Yeah, it's messed up. Yeah, it is. All right. And we've got one last article for tonight. And that's police suspects overwhelming oh, police suspects overwhelming gas shuts down interrogation from the AP in nice. Kansas City. A police interrogation of a Kansas City man charged with drug and gun offenses ended prematurely with an, with, when an investigator was driven from the room by the suspect's excessive flatulence. <laughs> A detective reported that when asked for his address, the 24-year-old Sean Sykes Jr. leaned to one side of his chair and released a loud fart noise before answering. The Kansas City Star reports that Sykes, quote, continued to be flatulent, and the detective was forced to quickly end the interview. That's that's goddamn impressive. Isn't it? (laughs) Sykes appeared in court on Monday charged with being a felon in possession of three firearms in possession of intent to sell cocaine in his response, and a bag of White Castle I think I was going to say and his response was just a <laughs> alright well, I think that brings us to the end of another poll request so Christian all right, all right, all right. do you approve of this week's poll request I want to repeat looks myself. good to me how about you Tyler sure do and our sleeping studio audience, woo, yes. Wonderful. Well, then let's all hit merge. 
And we'll see you next week right here on Bullerquest. This has been the Pneumonium Production. The views and opinions expressed on Pull Request do not necessarily reflect those of Pneumonium, LLC, or its subsidiaries. This week's theme music provided by Wolfpack. Visit them at V-U-L-F-P-E-C-K dot com. <laughs>